There are seven pillars and truths of God's wisdom that will build your life and make it work. Today, our focus is on building your life on the right principles. This message is the second in the series, A Life That Works. The message is entitled, Commit to Right Principles. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles now. Why don't we give a good welcome to those at our Frederick campus and our universities at Shady Grove campus. We welcome you guys and all of you guys give a welcome to Gaithersburg here as we get ready to study God's Word this morning. And we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 9 in just a moment as we're talking about a new series of messages called A Life That Works. And I want to talk to you this weekend about committing to the right principles in your life, committing to the right principles. As I told you last weekend, from time to time, I have people that come to me as a, as a pastor and they will say something like this, you know, Pastor Dale, my life's just not working. It's not working out the way I thought it should. It's not working the way I wanted it to. My marriage isn't working. My relationship with my kids just simply doesn't seem to work well. And so people are always trying to determine how do I make my life work the way that it needs to work. And what I want you to know today, as we mentioned last weekend, is that God wants your life to work. He does not want you to have a dysfunctional life. He wants you to have a functional life. He wants your life to work and to work well. But a life that works doesn't just happen. It's the result of some work on your part. If your life is going to work, you have to do some work. And part of that work involves the decisions that you make and the actions that you take. They're things that you bring to the equation that will make your life work in cooperation with God. In Proverbs chapter 9, uh, the scripture, the wise writer of Proverbs, gives us insight into this. Let me read this for you. The scripture says, wisdom has built a palace supported on seven pillars. Would you say the phrase with me? Seven pillars together. Seven pillars. That's an important term. Seven pillars pillars, and has prepared a great banquet and mixed the wines and sent out her maidens, inviting all to come. She calls from the busiest intersections in the city, come, you simple ones without judgment, come to wisdom's banquet and drink the wines that I've mixed. Let me stop there and explain what's going on. Here the Bible presents wisdom like a palace that is built on seven pillars, and it's a palace that has a voice, a palace that's speaking, saying, I want you to come into my palace called wisdom and learn wisdom. Learn how to build your life on seven pillars. And I'll define that seven pillars for you in a moment. Then the Scripture says in verse number 6, Leave behind your foolishness and begin to live. That is, learn how to live. Learn how to make your life work. Learn how to be wise. And so there's something we must do. We must gain wisdom if our life is going to work. And the Bible speaks of seven pillars of wisdom. Now, what, is the seven, what are the seven pillars of wisdom? Well, as I, as I again mentioned last week, and I'll remind you of throughout this series, I don't think it's so much seven in terms of a number, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I believe it represents a concept. Seven in the Bible is, a, is God's number for perfection. It's God's number for wholeness. It's God's number for something that is complete. And so God is saying, I want you to embrace the completeness of my wisdom for your life, not just part of my wisdom, but all of my wisdom for your life. And so if you're going to have a life that works, you have to build on the pillars of wisdom, all of God's wisdom for your life. Now, last weekend, we talked about the right purpose in your life. You can't, that's one of the pillars of wisdom. If you don't have a purpose for your life, you will just wander all over the place. And there are a lot of people sort of wandering their way through life because they don't really have a good sense of purpose. And so we talked quite a bit about how you discover your purpose. And now I want to talk this weekend about how you now build 
around your purpose on the right principles. The right principles. And I'll define that word principle for you in just a moment. Three things we want to look at together for the next few moments. First of all, you have to accept God's principles as the right principles for your life. That's the, that's the solid dimension of wisdom, to accept God's principles as the right principles for your life. Anything that works well is built according to principles. When you build a building, there are engineering principles. When you begin to go through the process of building, for example, an airplane, those that construct airplanes or spaceships, they understand that there are aeronautical principles that have to be employed. Anything that you build, there's a set of guiding principles that will help you to build it the right way. Even building a healthy body, there are certain principles that you have to obey or follow for that to be the result. And you cannot build a life without actually understanding and applying the right principles. There are principles for building. Now, a principle, if you want to write it down somewhere, this is not on your notes, but you may want to write it down. A principle is simply this, a fundamental rule or a law. It's something that you can't change. It is true. It works. For example, gravity is a law. It's also a principle. You cannot defy the laws of gravity. Now, you can overcome them with aeronautical understanding, but you have to understand even in that, you understand the law of gravity works, and it works every time. If you go onto the top of a building and say, okay, I think I'm going to fly today, you can try it. I don't care if you paste air feathers on your arms, gravity is going to have its say in your life. Because it's a law, it is a principle. And the beginning point in your life and my life for building a life that works is to understand there's some principles that I have to build on, that they're, they're set, they're ordered for my life, and if I don't build according to them, I will never have the life that God designed for me. Now, whether you realize it or not, today, every person in this worship center, every person at universities at Shady Grove, those of you in Frederick this morning, all of us are already building according to a set of principles, whether we realize it or not. They may, may not be the right principles. They may not even work well for your life, may not even be effective for your life, but you're using some principles to guide you now. Let me talk to you about some of the ways people build their lives. Sometimes people build their lives on the basis of their own principles. As they choose and say, I'm going to choose how I'm going to build my life. Nobody is going to tell me how to build my life. I choose to do it the way I want to do it. I will be the sole arbiter of what is right and what is wrong. There are a lot of little gods walking around. Little G. So they've established themselves as saying, I'm going to be the God of my life. Again, little G. So I'm going to determine what is right and what is wrong for myself. I will never let anything else tell me what is right and what is wrong. I am the arbiter of what is right and what is wrong for my life. And there are a lot of people that are living on the basis of that principle, that guiding principle. I'm in charge of me. I am the center of my universe. There's a second way that people build. Faulty, but nevertheless very real. Some people build their lives around culture. They determine what is right and wrong by looking at the culture around them. So if the media says something is right, then they accept that it's right. If a celebrity says something is okay, they accept it as being okay. If the crowd they hang out with says it's all right, then they say it's all right. If the political opinion of the day says it's okay, they say it's all right. So whatever might be around them becomes the values in them. And there are a lot of people today that are absorbing the values of the world around them, and they're letting culture define for them what is right and what is wrong. And so it's not so much that they are God, but culture is God in their life. And so they go with the culture. 
They go with what the world around them is saying is right or wrong. Here's a third way, and it's very similar to the first way, but I wanted to break it out just a bit. Some folks are governed by the principle, if you will, or the, or the influence, I should say, instead of principle, the influence of their emotions. They only do what they feel like doing. And whatever they feel like doing, their emotions guide their life. And so I would ask you today, who's in charge of the principles of your life? Do you, are you the sole arbiter? Do you get to choose? Have you made yourself a little god? Or are you letting culture define for you what is right and what is wrong? Do you let your emotions define for you what is right and what is wrong? Do you do what you feel? There's a better way. And the better way and the right way and the right set of principles is to build your life on the principles your Creator gave you. Okay? See, there's no one that knows how something functions best than the one who created it. Whoever creates something understands the intricate working, and the same is true with God, that when God made you and me and gave us life, He gives us a guiding set of principles that we can follow, and when we do, we say, okay, that's how life works best. It's not how I think it works, or it's not how the culture tells me life works. It's certainly not how my emotions tell me that life will work. I'm going to go to God who created me and let God tell me how life works best and the way that He does that. That is through this book called the Bible. This is the book of principles. This is the guiding, building manual for your life. These are the specifications for how your life should be built. Just like every building has a set of specs that go along with the building process, these are the specs for your life. This will tell you how to build your life. God has given us those guiding points. Now, does it matter what Guiding principles you use? Absolutely, because if you choose the wrong principles, you will not have the right product. The only way to have the right product is to have the right process and principles. Let's take a look at what the Bible says about this in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 19. God says this, today I have given you the choice, notice that word, the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. So who, who, who's making choices for your life? You are, I am. Oh, that you would choose life, that is, choose my way, God says. Choose life so that you and your descendants might live. God says, I want you to make a good choice in terms of how you're going to build your life. Don't choose death, choose life. Don't choose curses, choose blessing for your life. And it's not just about you, it's about those that will come after you. You know that today, the decisions that you're making in your life is not going to only affect you, it's going to affect your kids and your grandkids grandkids and your great-grandkids and generations coming behind you, that it's important how you live your life because you're affecting generations coming behind. So you better make the right choice, as should I. Proverbs 14, verse 12, there is a way that seems right. Circle that phrase on your notes, that seems right to a person, but eventually it, it ends in death. You know, something can seem right and be wrong. Something can seem right and still be wrong. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus said this. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Can I make an announcement to you today? You must understand this. It's based upon what Jesus said. I'm just going to say it a little bit differently. The majority in our world today, the majority is going the wrong direction. The majority of people are on the wrong road. 
If you want to use the majority as the guidance for your life, I promise you the Scripture says that the highway to hell is broad. There are a lot of people that are they're choosing their own, they're, they're becoming their own gods and culture is defining it for them and their emotions are defining it for them and it's leading them down a way that seems right but it ends in death. And so you and I must realize we have to make different choices. It will put you on a narrow road at times. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus again says, says these words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So hearing his word, putting them into practice, you become a wise man and you build on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and the beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash don't have a, don't need to take a lot of time to talk about that building two different houses two different men both building a house one builds on the wrong foundation one builds on the right foundation storms come to both and only one survives why because they built with the right set of principles living by the wrong principles will destroy your life can I say that again living by the wrong principles will destroy your life. Living by God's principles will build your life. If you want your life to work, you've got to make a decision about what principles you're going to build on. Will you build according to you, the culture, or according to God? Now, I want to choose God. How about you? I believe that's why you're here today. Joshua helps us to understand this in the Old Testament book of Joshua, chapter 24. As he comes to the end of his life, he's brought the children of Israel into the promised land. He's about to die he has his final message, his final sermon. Think about this for a moment. This is the last message that Joshua will ever preach. He knows that this will be his last message. He'll never preach another sermon again. I can only imagine as a pastor what that must be like if I were to know that this was my last message to preach. I would be very, very conscientious about what I preached, right? I want to make sure that I said what I really needed to say. And Joshua does this very conscientiously. He makes this, this last declaration to Israel that has benefit for us today. He says, but if serving, he's talking to the people of Israel, and God is talking to us today. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you're living. He says, you guys have to make a choice. You've got to choose the God you're going to serve. You're going to serve Whatever, what, you, you got to make the choice. No one can make it for you. But as for me, he says, but as for me and my household, what will we do? We will serve the Lord. My prayer for every person here today and all of our campuses is that you will make a decision this day to say, as for me and my household, I'm not going to be my own God. I'm not going to let culture be my God. I'm not going to let my emotions be my God. But Almighty God is going to be my God. Amen. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And the impact, again, goes beyond you to generations coming behind you. So accept God's principles as the right principles for your life. Number two, become a practitioner of God's principles. To accept God's principles means more than just affirming them in your mind and saying, oh, yeah, God's principles are good. Everything's, yeah, I, I like that, Pastor, what you just said. That's good. No, it goes beyond that. Actually, to accept something means that you buy into it. You actually make it your own. And to accept God's principles in your life means that you learn them and do them. 
You don't just know about them. You actually put them into practice. You become a practitioner of them. Jesus, remember what he said a moment ago? We read it in Matthew chapter 7. He says, the wise man heard the word of God and he put it into practice. He did it. He did what God's word said and he built his house on a rock and it withstood the storm. You and I have to do the same. We have to make the decision to say, God, I'm going to learn everything I can about your word, but not just learn it in my head, but I'm going to live it out in my heart and through the practice of my life. There's a difference between hearing and doing. There is a difference between hearing and doing. You can hear something and affirm that it's good and affirm that it's right. You can give mental assent to its value and still not do it. There are a lot of people that know what they ought to be doing with their health, but they don't do it, right? They know the right thing, but they don't practice it. So just because you know something doesn't mean that you're going to practice it. And there's something else about knowledge that can fool you at times. Sometimes because you know something, you think you're practicing it when you really aren't. You know that you can sit in your home and watch two hours a day of workout videos and think you're getting in shape? You can sit there and be just like you've always been, but you can convince everybody, yeah, I'm getting in shape. I watched two hours of, of workout video today. It didn't do anything for you. You watched the other person sweat. But in your mind, because you have seen something and you know how to do the exercises, you can think that you've actually done it. And the Bible warns us about this dichotomy between hearing and doing and how we can fool ourselves and thinking just because we heard something, we're actually doing it. And so it's great to hear it. Amen. That's where it begins. But you have to move beyond the hearing to the doing. And so I want to challenge you as a church today, not, not just to hear God's Word, but to actually do it, become a practitioner of it. Notice James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Do what God's Word says. Don't merely listen to it, or you will... What does it say there? You will... Let's read that again. Do what God's Word says. Don't merely listen to it, or you will fool yourself. So the Bible's warning us, you can listen to the Word and think you're doing it when you're really not. If someone listens to God's Word but doesn't do what it says, he is like a person who looks at his face in a mirror, studying his features, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. However, the person who continues to, to study God's perfect laws that make people free and who remains committed to them will be blessed. People like that don't merely listen and forget, they actually do what God's law says. So we're told, okay, don't just listen, but make sure you do, because if you listen but you don't do, you fool yourself. And then he uses the analogy of a mirror. It says somebody that listens but doesn't do is like the guy that looks in the mirror, sees himself, and then goes away and forget what he saw. What is that, what is that about? What's the purpose of a mirror? purpose of a mirror, if you didn't know this, is to make you better. The purpose of a mirror is not to stand there and glorify yourself. Okay, oh, how beautiful I am, how awesome I am, look at me, okay. That's being narcissistic, that's what that's called, okay. It is a disorder, okay. okay. You need help if that's what you do, okay. If you, you just look at the mirror to tell, to tell you how great you are, that's the, that's the problem. A mirror is designed to tell you how to fix yourself, right? Before you head out in the morning, most likely, what do you do? I hope you do this, okay? You take a look in the 
mirror. Why? Because you want to make sure that you're ready to go. You've got everything fixed up. You don't have stuff all over your face. You don't have broccoli between your teeth, whatever it might be, okay? You're ready to go, okay? Now, if you were to look into a mirror and you were to see that your hair is all disheveled and you've got stuff all over your face, you've got stuff all in your teeth, and you look at it and say, okay, that's what the mirror is telling me about me, and then you walk away and you don't do anything about it, what does that say? It says you didn't take the mirror seriously, okay? It says that the mirror was not telling you how to change your life. See, a mirror is not meant to condemn you. A mirror is meant to change you, okay? The Bible is a mirror. It's not meant to condemn you, but it is meant to change you, okay? A lot of people read the Bible, oh, what a condemning book. It tells me don't do this and don't do that and don't do the other thing. Well, that's not because the book is condemning. It's a mirror, okay? It tells you how to make your life better. That's all it is. And so don't get mad at the book. It's like getting mad at your mirror because you're messed up, okay? Okay? Don't get mad at the mirror. The problem is not with the mirror. The problem is with, with you, okay? And so when you look into the Bible, don't get mad at the Bible when the Bible says this is right, this is wrong, this is what's appropriate, this is what's inappropriate. That's, that's, this is just God telling you this is the mirror, Okay? helping you to understand how to make your life better. And so the, the way we respond is to say, okay, God, I'm going to look into your mirror and not just see and learn, but I'm going to actually walk away and do something to fix my life so it will be better. And the law of God is not meant to bind you, it's to liberate you, it's to make you better, it's to bring freedom to your life. So when you begin to apply what you're learning in the Bible, it actually doesn't bind you, it brings freedom to you, it makes your life again an improved life. Let me illustrate it one other way, okay? I got some string here. Can everybody see the string? Got it? Everybody see it? Okay. All right. When you're born into this world, you're born into this world with knots already, okay? like your shoestrings. You're already knotted up because we all have a tendency to sin. We have a sinful nature that we've inherited from Adam, and it's just a part of who we are. If you don't believe that, just watch kids. You don't have to teach them to disobey. You have to teach them to obey. You don't have to teach them to lie. You have to teach them not to lie, okay? Why? Because their bent is to do things that are wrong, and so they have a sinful nature. And so we all come into the world already knotted up, okay? Correct? And here's what we do in life. We say, okay, I think I'll just be the arbiter of what's right and wrong, and I'll let culture define stuff for me, and whatever I feel like doing, I will do. And as we start going through life, living according to those principles, we get more and more knotted up. Our life becomes more and more of a mess. We get all these knots in our life, and before long, our life looks something like this. Because we took the knot that we already had, and we disobeyed God, and we added more knots to our life, right? And then we come to Jesus, we begin to study His Word, we begin to let Him work in our lives, and Jesus doesn't come to add more knots to you, He comes to take the knots out. That would be a great place to say amen, okay? See, when you come to Jesus, He doesn't bind you up, He sets you free, okay? He doesn't add more burdens to your life. He wants to take away from you all the stuff you've already done in your life that has messed your life up by the choices you've made. And so you accept Jesus Christ into your life. He begins to untangle the stuff. And it doesn't happen always immediately, but over time, God begins to work. As you take His Word and you begin to obey it and you live according to the principles of God's Word, what happens is little by little, you become less of a nuthead. Okay? Amen? And your life begins to get unraveled. 
And God begins to say, because you apply my word, I'm taking those things out of your life. And it's called sanctification. It's called your life being made whole, your life being put back together again. It's the restorative, the saving work of Jesus inside of you through his word. But it only happens if you become a practitioner of his word. Not if you just hear it. You have to hear it and do it. You have to hear it and obey. Let's go to our last point together. The third thing I want to talk about just for a moment is you have to trust God's power to help you to obey his principles. Obedience to God's word is not always easy. Sometimes it's it's kind of difficult. In fact, even the Bible says that the way of righteousness is narrow and it's sometimes hard. It's difficult. The majority of people don't want to do it because your mind, your emotions will do everything possible to try to rationalize you being your own God and trying to rationalize letting the culture define stuff for you. And so you're always being pulled against God. Jesus spoke of this in Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And then Jesus gave us this awareness. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is, is weak. The flesh is always wanting to get knotted up. If you leave it to yourself, you're going to add more and more knots to your life. Paul talked about it this way in Galatians 5, 17. What your corrupt nature, that your sinful nature wants, is contrary to what your spiritual nature wants. And what your spiritual nature wants is contrary to what your corrupt nature wants. They're opposed to each other. As a result, you don't always do what you intend to do. And so what happens is you've got this battle going on inside of you. One part of you pulling you toward God. The other part pulling you toward evil. And so you you have to learn which side you're going to listen to. Which side you're going to respond to and that requires power beyond yourself you can't do this by yourself you cannot live the Christian life without Christ let me say that again you cannot live the Christian life without Christ to live the Christian life you have to have a relationship with Christ okay the anointed one, the Messiah. And that's why you need to be born again. That's why you need to invite Jesus Christ into your life because it's a very real thing that happens. He comes to live in you. So now there's power in you to resist the weaknesses of your flesh and resist the corruption of your nature. There's a power in you that you submit to and you're able to overcome. And the knots begin to come out of your life as you live according to the right principles. But you have to have the power. You cannot do it by yourself when you give God your will and what happens is through giving him your will he then gives you the power to do what is right a lot of people try to do right by their own willpower willpower will never get you but so far what you need is to give your will to God and trust him to give you his power and that's true willpower And to realize that when I do this, some incredible things happen. Let's go to the last part of the message today. Let me share with you what happens when you give God your will and He begins to give you His power. You begin to live in a a life of obedience. When you start obeying God's laws and God's principles, here's what's going to happen. Five things. Number one, you're going to start demonstrating at a new level that you trust God. See, when you start saying, God, I'm going to live by your word, what you're saying is, God, I really do trust you. I'm not just going to listen to it. I'm going to actually do it because I believe that it's true. Let me ask you this morning, do you really believe God's way is the best way? Do you really believe it? How will you prove that you believe that God's way is the best way? By saying it? No, by doing it, by living your life according to God's word. And so it's the way you show God, I really do trust you. 
Psalm 4, verse 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness, that's right living, by trusting the Lord. So there's a connection between right living and trust. Second of all, it grows your character, makes you the person that you're supposed to be. Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3. Do you remember how the Lord your God, the Lord led you through the wilderness for all these 40 years, talking to the Israelites in in the Old Testament, humbling you and testing you to find out how you would respond and whether or not you would really, what? Obey him. Would you really obey him? Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry, then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to both you and your ancestors. He did it to help you realize that food isn't everything and that real life, notice this, real life comes by obeying every command of God. How do you make your life work? Real life comes by obeying every command of God. It produces peace in you. When you begin to obey God's word, Live it out in your life. There's peace that will come to you. Psalm 119, 165. Those who love your instructions, principles, laws, have great peace and do not stumble. When you begin to obey God's word, it protects you. All of us need protection. Proverbs 19, 23. Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. That phrase, fear of the Lord, just simply means that you reverence God enough to obey Him, to do what He says. And then finally, when you obey God, it brings God's blessings into your life. Can I ask you, to, how many of you want to be blessed? Raise your hand. Do you want to be blessed? All the campuses, do you want to be blessed by God? Well, your hand just went up. That was like 100% of you, okay? That's maybe the first time I've ever seen 100% of hands go. Okay. <laughs> if God's passing out blessings, do you want some? Yes. Of course we do. We all do. We want the blessings of God in our lives. We'd be foolish not to want God's blessings. But I'm going to show you how you get them, okay? You don't get God's blessings by just saying, I want them. You get them by the choices you make with your life. Deuteronomy 28 gives us clear understanding about how to be a recipient, how to position ourselves, not to earn God's blessings, but to position ourselves for the receiving of God's blessings. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if. Circle the word if on your notes there. If, two letters, but very big word. I will give you a million dollars if. Now you'd be listening very attentively to the if part, right? You see the promise, but you realize the condition. I've got to know the conditions to see if I can meet the conditions for the fulfillment of the promise, okay? All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you, what? Obey the Lord your God. What does it mean? Follow His Word, do what His Word says. Here's the promise. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. That means there's no place you can go that you will not be blessed. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. That's your kids. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock. The calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock. That's your business. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. Anybody want to stop there for a moment and say hallelujah, okay? The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He is giving you. The Lord will establish you as His holy people as He promised you on oath. If, there's that word again, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to Him. And so obedience is what positions you for blessing in your life. Now, obedience is not always easy. It's hard to always live this out. 
But that's why you need the power of God by being born again, being filled with the Holy Spirit and living it out in your life. So accept God's principles as the right principles. Don't just accept them mentally, but say, I'm going to be a practitioner. I'm going to actually start doing what the Bible says. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to now trust God for his power to do this by giving, submitting to him his, my will, trusting him to grant me his power. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for instructing us together in these moments. I pray you take the word of God and let it find deep place in our heart. I pray that we would not only accept your principles as being right and good for our lives, but help us to do them. Make us practitioners of the word. And thank you, Lord, for the power you will give us to obey. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I wanna lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.